Hey Girl Talk family, this is your host Charlene, and today we have in studio with us a friend to the show, Prophetess Branchcomb. She is currently the Vice President at Sodexo Magic, an international partnership with Sodexo and Magic Johnson. Prophetess Branchcomb has a master's degree in tax and an MBA in finance. She's married to her wonderful husband, Adrian, for 15 years. She owns Sound Profit Tax and Finance. She has owned this company for 20 years with over 600 returning clients in 48 states. She is amazing. She has a passion for women in business, international missions, and traveling. Today, she's going to give us all of her secrets on the road to her level of success. So we want you to come along with us for the ride. Hi, Prophetess Branchcomb, and welcome to Girl Talk. We are so happy to have you here. Thank you, it's an honor to be here. I'm so blessed. Girl, look, you have had so much going on in your life within the last year in particular, but I just wanna take the time to go over all of the things that you've been accomplishing recently and how you set yourself up for success because Girl Talk wants to know. How's yes, that? Absolutely, I'm excited. Now you were recently promoted yes. to the, fine, the Vice President of Finance for Sodexo Magic. Right? right, and so within the interview, we're going to talk about that promotion, what company that is, and what their services they offer. Okay, so first of all, did you? Because now I know that as an entrepreneur, because you're an entrepreneur and you're a successful corporate business executive, now those are two multiple streams of income. Did you do that on purpose, or did it just kind of fall into place for you? Absolutely, I was. Uh back in college there was a lady a mentor of mine who told me about creative ways of making money okay and she told me that I could pray and ask for that and so being in college um, I was trying to find every means of making money and um, and so it just became this concept around you don't always have to have just a day job right um, I would do things like I signed up for focus groups I started um, volunteering but then you know looking for small engagements to do like inventory and so right. I just always was seeking out new ways to um, teach myself new skills um, but at the same time I always valued the fact that I needed something uh, consistent right. with that benef those benefits and right. um, but I also just had something burning in me around uh, business ownership and I think it was it, it just it's just when it's in you you know that it's not something that can ever be satisfied you'll be right. working on your job but there's a piece of you that you know isn't being fulfilled and so uh, that was something that um, was just again started out as more of a how do I make money but then it really um, sparked in me that entrepreneurial spirit so I like that because you know a lot of times the women as women and you know we get into corporate America and we get a job and then we give up on our dreams our passion the things that we want to do for ourselves as business and so to hear your story is going to be really inspirational for women who not only have a corporate job but also have a passion to do something outside of that job mm -hmm. so again I am so happy you're here thank you now vice president when you were told that you were going to be the vice president of finance for this very lucrative company how did that feel take us through those emotions it was humbling. Really? I, I believe that I was at a point in my career where I felt 
I knew I had worked to earn it, mm -hmm. but I also saw it as an opportunity now for me to represent a platform um, and to make sure that other women um, reach the places that I did. And so it wasn't one of those things where the first thing I was thinking of was well, what's happening with my pay. Mm -hmm. um, it really just went around, I started thinking more around what it means to be a servant leader um, how you know now my role is not just to represent what I'm for, yes. but then also to really you know show other women and, and minorities you know how to do this within the the job. I didn't also didn't understand the magnitude of the position. Um, Sodexo Magic uh, is a partnership, but we're uh, based out of 80 countries. Wow. But the larger the segment, uh, Sodexo. And so when I realized that in those 80s countries, I was the only woman in finance to have a VP title in this wow. position, it really um, made me understand that it made sense why I was working for many years and being the only woman in the room yes. around the table, um, how it showed me how to have a voice in those spaces. And so I think all those things coming more full circle was just really humbling. It, it just felt like I've worked to get here. Yes. Um, and so it was it was really great. That's amazing. I know that as a woman in business, you know, we strive just like the men do mm -hmm. to get to that level of competency and success. Mm -hmm. And so to hear how you felt about it as a woman is always important to our listeners, because, you know, as women, we we operate on many different levels. Mm -hmm. We operate not only on a intellectual level, but also we operate on a compassionate level. And we think about those who we can bring along with us. So it's good to get to hear that said by someone. So thank you. Now, you wear multiple hats. You're a wife, you're a mom, you're a successful businesswoman, and you're also an entrepreneur, entrepreneur, which creates a lot going on in your life. How do you juggle all of that? Mm, time management, having a, a good device, um, and also just realizing that I can't remember things. And so <laughs> I, have, I have really learned how to use tools, uh, online tools, to keep myself organized. Okay. Um, I, I really also believe that I had to learn to forgive myself and just realizing that it's not all going to get done. You right. know, that the to-do list is, is it's a goal, but, you know, it's, uh, sometimes goals don't get achieved in the time frames they're set out. That's right. So um, I think having that patience with myself, but then also just keeping things in priority, especially with my children. Um, there's some times where I just can't physically be here. Right. Uh, and so I do try to make sure that those times that I'm, I am here that, um, I'm not as tired or I'm finding things for us to go and do and engage outside of the house. Mm -hmm. um, just creating memories because I do feel like that um, that's that's really, you know, work is going to end eventually. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I'm never going to get that time back with them. And so that's important. I think the same thing with balancing my husband, too. I mean, all the family has needs and he has right. needs as well. And I think... Um, over the years, he probably has been so gracious to be pushed a lot of times to the, <laughs> the, the bottom of the to-do list. <laughs> but um, he is really my, my foundation, I think, in terms of, of keeping our family going. And That's so um, it's just, you know, finding those moments to honor those things. Um, and also, I think it's important for me to balance that girl time, too, finding that, mm -hmm. that moment to release. Um, I, I found it, it restores me as well. And so... 
I can't say there's a secret to time management other than the fact that I think now is just the biggest principle is that I can't get it all done. So just figure out what it is that's going to have the most lasting impact and, and try to get that done. Yes, because mm -hmm. I think like I said earlier, we try to do it all. Like we think that we have this magic magical power of creating more hours than there are in a day, mm -hmm. right? And then, you know, becoming tired and exhausted and not having anything left for the family. Mm -hmm. So creating memories and creating times when you spent time together and taking those pictures and, and, and you know, being just instinctive about knowing what your family needs are because every family mm -hmm. is different, mm -hmm. you know? And that's a point I think I'd like to make here too is that no two families are the same. So what works for your family may not work for someone else's family, mm. right? And so we have to give ourselves, like you said, permission to be who we are and also to know that our family is unique and their needs are unique. And so creating memories about the uniqueness is, I think, one of the best things we can do. Mm. That's powerful what you just said because yeah. <laughs> I think sometimes as women we're like, uh, when we have straight hair, then we want it curly. And then we right. have curly hair, then we're like, we're <laughs> straight. Is right. it thing? Um, you know, my, my family structure is very mm -hmm. non-traditional. You know, being a full-time corporate executive as well as owning a business yes. that three months out of the year I pretty much disappear <laughs> from. It, it, it creates a, an environment to where my husband and I, our traditional roles don't look like most traditional roles. Right. And I think that that has been something to where, as women, we have seen over time to where we tend to be the, the ones that are outside of the home right. that are the primary um, uh, support, financial support in the home mm -hmm. and the dynamics that that creates and, and still trying to have that partnership in a marriage and, and, mm -hmm. and at the same time having to... Um, look at what you as a child grew up and said, you know, I want to grow up and marry a man that provides and does all these right. things. And when you have children, different phases of time in life, mm -hmm. that doesn't always look the same. And so right. that is something that I've had to learn and continue, you know, my husband and I continue to work through it. We haven't figured it out. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that nowadays when we think about women, um, you can't overlook that. And, I, and so when you were just talking about that, um, how it doesn't always look the same yeah. uh, situation so but you know what I respect about your generation because you're a lot younger than me mm -hmm. and the thing that I, I love and respect about your generation is the fact that you don't think it's supposed to be cookie cutter mm -hmm. and you do figure it out mm -hmm. and you don't take the roles it within a marriage as this one has to do this and this one has to do that how can we make this work as a unit mm -hmm. And that's something that I respect, that I think that you guys do more than we did. Mm -hmm. And I think there was a big cost that we paid for that because we didn't know how to do that. Mm -hmm. And so what I see in the family right now that's, to me, encouraging, and the thing that I respect is that your goal is to make sure that the children grow up in a happy household with two parents that love them and that's gonna take care of them and make sure they get to where they need to go. Cause that's what the real bottom line is. Absolutely, it's, right? just, hard. it's just hard work in the process. It's a hard <laughs> work <laughs> in the process. Especially with a two. Oh, man, I'm keeping it 100. <laughs> Absolutely, it is oh, hard. My goodness. And do we talk about having a two year old? So my husband and I have, I have four children. Right. My oldest son is inherited, he's 22. I have an 11 year old, a nine year old, and a two year old. And we thought it was, 
a good idea to have a baby in our 40s. Oh, wow. And I think that that changes the whole dynamic, too, because... She's in charge. She's in charge. <laughs> and we're supposed to be at that stage in lives where it's like the older two are old enough to make breakfast right. and we can go away for the weekend. And so it has made us, again, shift back into now right. diaper mode. And so it does. It, it, I think that that's what keeps us, our bond together, though. It, yes. it is really the focus on the kids. My kids wake up every day. They're happy to see their mom, but they're looking for their dad just as much. Mm -hmm. And so um, that is key and important. Um, and so I, I, I wouldn't really be able to do what I do without his support. That's so. good. Mm -hmm. That's real. Mm -hmm. Now, what advice would you give someone, a young woman, at the beginning of her career that's trying to figure it out? What advice, piece of advice, or pieces of advice would you give? Hmm. For me, if I could go back and just really <laughs> tell my <laughs> old self things, I would definitely say um, valuing things like having a vision mm -hmm. and a plan. Um, I, I think before I never took the time to really write down and, and see what were my goals. Um, and, and now I really understand when they say, you know, write out your vision and make it plain. You have mm -hmm. something to go back to. And so yes. I think that's definitely key because then you have a direction. Right. Um, I also think you have to be ready to deal with the valleys, right? The road is never going to be straight and it's never going to be uphill. And so the fact of just getting um, used to that ups and downs and, and being in it for the journey, yes. I think is, is so powerful. I um, understanding that early on. And then I would say the last thing is, it's just really the power of networking. Yes. I think um, a, a lot of places when I was younger, the, the rooms that I would be standing in, I didn't mm -hmm. know the words to say. And then later on, you're like, wow, if you know, if I put that together, then I think that um, it was because I didn't have the confidence that I needed at that time. Mm -hmm. um, but I really do think that there's power in networking. Um, Absolutely. So. Yeah, I like those, definitely. Now, what does wellness mean to you? Because you've got a lot going on. Yes. <laughs> uh, lately, wellness has been trying to remember to drink water every day. Get some sleep. <laughs> Definitely sleep is mm -hmm. so key. It is so undervalued. Like, really, yes. Um, and, and maybe it's because I have a two-year-old who mm -hmm. she's um, 24 uh, months now and she breastfed up until probably 18 months. And so wow. that overnight, you know, having an irregular schedule was really um, tiring. And then my body, from traveling back and forth the East Coast to West Coast, right. there are oftentimes to, you know, where I'm sleeping on planes, I'm That's not right. coming. And then when you come home, I'm restful, I'm not getting good night's sleep. And even sometimes just when you're at home working, you're just mm -hmm. so worked up from the day, you just yeah. really, it takes some a time to actually just wind come down, down from that, just yes. to come down, and to really, um, you know, find that 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 peace and, and rest. And so, I definitely say that that's the wellness for me has been trying to focus on health, but also the sleeping component. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Now, what is your personal favorite self care practice? Hmm. I'm going to selfishly say going to the spa. Me too. Because <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Yeah. I, and, and it's really because someone else is preparing it for me. All I have yes. to do is to have an appointment to <laughs> show up. To show up. Like, That's right. And just, and it's that moment to where I don't have to do any talking. My eyes can be closed. I yes. can snore if I need to. <laughs> like, um, retail therapy doesn't do that, you no. know? It's like. <laughs> That's another level of anxiety. <laughs> That's another right? level, exactly. So, um, 
but I, I definitely say spa. And it's just, and, and, and more importantly, I think in, that, in those moments too, because what I do a lot in that time is meditation. Yes. And, and I think that's really the peace of the mind that mm -hmm. I'm, I'm seeking for when I think about, you know, that that's what I go there for is to escape that. It's just really yes. to have that time to reflect, to have your thoughts and, and to just really sometimes think about nothing. Yeah, yeah. Just, you know, and that's a relief in and of itself. It's such a relief. Yeah, so meditation I've recently found as being just that way of quieting your mind mm -hmm. and just helping you to like refocus and bring mm -hmm. everything back into balance, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, that's a good one, yeah. meditation. I'll tell you, when I think about meditation, for me, and I think a lot of women will, will mm -hmm. resonate with this, your mind is thinking so much. Yes. And so when I first started trying to practice meditation, I always saw in my mind like a subway. And when you think about how fast the cars go by, right. and you see the little black space in between, mm -hmm. like it was just zoom, zoom, zoom. Right. And, and the practice of meditation was really teaching me how to slow that down and to try to expand that black space. The black space is right. right. And it's almost like you're pausing the subway. And so when you think about that sometimes, yeah. sometimes your mind is racing. Mm -hmm. um, but finding that space, and it's not always through meditation, but just however that piece, sometimes it's just mm -hmm. praise and worship or just a quiet moment. But yes. finding that time to, to think nothing is, is so empowerment. I think it's, it's invigorating. So Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Now, you are working from home these days. Yes. How is that working out for you? Do you love it? Do you not like it? Are you trying to get used to it? What is going on with that? Because I know I have my own story about working from home. But what is your story? Well, I love my commute at seven steps. <laughs> and uh, I'm always overdressed. <laughs> so, I mean, there are definitely some strong positives. In always there. on time. Always on time, right? Actually, sometimes I'm late, though. So. <laughs> Like in there cooking lunch and trying to get on a call. Right. Um, actually, I believe it is the best thing if mm -hmm. you're disciplined. And, okay. And, and, and if you're a disciplined individual, mm -hmm. you know, I work a lot in finance and spreadsheets, and so in my um, work in, in my workspace, I actually have a um, two big. 20 inch screens, screens along yeah. with my laptop and I have one of those desks that rise and you know okay. the Vera desk that you can stand up right. and it allows me time to just focus because I'm looking at numbers I'm really right. doing a lot of analysis mm -hmm. and so having quiet and having that time to just um, be able to just respond to people um, it works for me. Right. Um, I also think that it's great because I can drop my kids off every morning. I'm picking them up. If someone forgets their lunch, sometimes I'm break, taking them lunches during the day. Yeah. I think it's those things that have really allowed me the flexibility to do that. I think about the commute time. If I'm in the car for an hour, I'm usually either trying to check emails or answer my phone around work right. services anyway. anyway. And so I think that that also has, you know, it, it allows me a lot more productivity time. Mm -hmm. And then I think my job is unique because we're actually based out of um, Washington, D.C., okay. Maryland area. So the time difference, if my call started at 6 in the morning, my day is over at 2, right. it allows me a lot more flexibility to, to where there is. I just walk downstairs, I can get going right away. So Yeah, I like that because I was going to ask you, that was going to be my next question because your you are based here, but your corporate office is the East Coast, mm -hmm. and then you guys span 80 countries. Mm -hmm. So time can be your friend, but it also can be your enemy too. So how do you work that out? Are you responsible for, you know, being on calls 
in different time zones sometimes? Mm -hmm. How does that work? Yes, absolutely. We So our joint venture partnership is actually is a U.S.-based account. Okay. Okay. However, Sodexo, which is the other partner in, within the joint venture, mm -hmm. they are based out of 80 countries. So that's really our corporate arm. And yes, we have global deals. We just sold an account where they're based in the U.S. This is where their largest locations mm -hmm. are. But that, that company has sites in 67 countries. Wow. So this was a, my first really global engagement where I spent a lot of time having to be on calls, working with our London offices. Mm -hmm. um, getting a chance to, like you said, understand different time zones. Right. Um, I also, they, they did a lot of calls based on the East Coast time, and, it, and it's just something that I've grown accustomed to. Right. Um, I worked in, as a stockbroker for a long time, and so I've always had to kind of be up Adhere to, uh -huh. to East Coast hours. Right. So that, um, I, I think the biggest thing that I learned about the, the, the distance in working in countries mm -hmm. is culturally. Um, when you're working on a phone, you have to introduce yourself and, and build rapport a lot differently. That's very true. Uh -huh. And so I think um, that's a dynamic that's it's interesting because you're 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 learning new cultures, but then phone etiquette is a lot different. You know, that's dealing right. with different countries, and uh, and so I I I love that. I actually enjoy that kind of stuff, but. Uh, yeah, I was working around the clock, 3 a.m. You know, I'd come downstairs. It was great for me because I looked right. like I was productive all the time. <laughs> but I'd be walking by my laptop and someone would send an email and I could respond right away. Right. And I think that it was just around the global partnership, too. When you're work working um, to try to uh, transition a large account, everyone just kind of works according to what needs to be done for the client. Right. And, and I think it's that team approach that um, I've just, over time, it, you know, there's never a bad time, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, to reach me so. so plus as a mom you learn how to how to use that team approach when yeah. you have more especially when you have more than one child yeah right because you have to group the team together they're different ages mm -hmm. they have different you know focuses and if you want everybody to come together you have to figure that out what's yes. the best time what's the best subject the etiquette yes. how to <laughs> all of that works right so definitely very much applies very much applies now, um, explain to we we talked um, last night for a while, and we were talking about the boardroom. So now that we're on the on that corporate side of the conversation, and we talked a little bit about boardroom etiquette. Mm -hmm. What does that mean for you, being a woman in finance and the vice president at a company that um, we're going to talk about a little bit more? But what does that boardroom etiquette look like for you? Hmm. This is a great question because early on in my career, mm -hmm. I knew that I wanted to be in the C-suite. Yes. Um, when we talk a little bit more about my education, I mean, mm -hmm. that I wanted to go to school to find a subject that no one else wanted to talk about in the C-suite. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that I was like, there's always going to be a need for this. Finance. Uh -huh, finance <laughs> and tax, especially. And, taxes, and yeah. so um, that was very intentional. And I think what I began to see once I started having those opportunities to be in there, I would always get in initially as the note taker, right? So right. Um, I started to realize that the board rules weren't what was important. It was the unwritten rules. That part. The unwritten board rules. That's right. That made the difference. Mm -hmm. And I think, especially as a woman, because yes. traditionally it's all men sitting around the table. That's right. And they talk, they have, you know, network meetings offline that right. we just never hear about. That's right. And I think that I really wanted to 
understand how a woman's presence mm -hmm. needed to interact differently in the boardroom, yes. how our voice had to be heard differently, mm -hmm. and how sometimes we had to assert ourselves right. differently. And mm -hmm. those just weren't rules that you find in the you know the, no, the protocol <laughs> right. that says you start the meeting and everyone's you know votes. And so it was those things that I, I really found that as a woman leader and an executive that those made the difference. Yes. You know, now I say it's as simple as it's it's thinking about when you're walking into a boardroom, it's like me welcoming you into, into my home. You're a guest in my home. So I wanna come and sit down at the table. I'm not gonna talk too much, right? I'm gonna watch the etiquette. I'm gonna follow your direction if you wanna have tea first or do we go in straight into appetizers. Mm -hmm. I think it's it's learning that, that graciousness to where sometimes you don't know all the rules, but yes. you gotta be keen to, to watching and really observing um, and because you want to be invited back. Exactly. <laughs> and so, and you also. Better, and it's optional. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I also think that if you're sitting at the table the whole meeting and you don't have anything to say once outside of, even outside of your speaking part to, mm -hmm. to, to engage at a later time, I think that that was another unwritten rule that was important that I had to not, I had to have my voice heard on other topics. Yes, yeah. definitely. Mm -hmm. I like that because we talked about that just a little bit last night and I, that was so key for me because, you know, as women being successful, we have to learn how to be successful in every arena. And the boardroom is a place where we are venturing into more now than ever. Mm -hmm. And so you're right, we have to assert ourselves and find our way in without creating so much disruption mm -hmm. that it takes away from what we're there for. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate that tip of advice, but yeah. And I'm gonna ask you more about that offline because I think a lot of women um, really are struggling in that area with etiquette in the boardroom. That's a big deal. Yeah, I have one more thing to come to mm -hmm. mind for me. Is, and, and I think this is not just board meetings, but I want to make it practical for all meetings that yes. most managers and director level leaders are attending. Mm -hmm. It's also about finding champions and sponsors before you go into the meeting. So if it's your first time and you know who the invitees on the list, sending mm -hmm. an email, I'm excited about meeting. I mean, I never like to walk into a meeting to get agreement on something without knowing that two or three people are going to agree with me ahead of time. Right. Because I need you want the support, That's but right. then also you want the the guidance, you know, you find out information. Oh, well, make sure in this meeting we're going to talk about this and so mm -hmm. I do think that that was something that you can apply to all meetings just making sure that as you walk in, you know the partner that they know you. That's right. And that you have time to think about it because for us, I think as women, preparation is a part of our confidence. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That, absolutely, I like that. Preparation is a part of our confidence, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So now, you have had mentors and coaches throughout your career and life. What impact do you think that's had on your success? Mm -hmm. They have really been a key part of the success in terms of guiding um, me through the process. Um, again, having someone that you can talk about um, how to prepare for board meetings, how to really um, move further your career. And I think that that's one of the key areas when you think about mentor relationship. You, yes. you, you really want direction around trying to reach your goals. Um, that's not always just working within the corporate, you know, America. Right. Um, 
uh, job role, and so I think it's also important to have multiple mentors. I agree. Uh, the other thing that I always kept in mind is I didn't want all mentors that were the same color as me. Mm -hmm. uh, I wanted mentors also who were male. And just over the years, I found that each provides a different set of insight and viewpoints when Absolutely. it comes to how to face challenges, mm -hmm. how to move things further along. Uh, and, that, and I think that that has really been um, very, very important. I also think those relationships have been the best. They've given me the best feeling when I have been having those moments of success. I mean, it's nothing like calling a mentor and just saying, what we talked about last it year, happened. it, it happened, like, you know, like, you know, it's finally here. Yes. And so just having someone along that journey, I think, has also been very special um, mm -hmm. because they're, they're invested in you. And, and I also think that it, it allows me to be better prepared to mentor others. Exactly. Um, and, and I think ultimately that's the key. You know, the, the knowledge I have is not meant to only reside with me. It's meant to be given to others. And so I, I just think that spirit of paying it forward um, has really supported me through the process. It's helped me get through difficult times. And it's also redirected me when I've mm -hmm. kind of gone astray. You need someone to sometimes kind of give you that stern shoulder. It's like, right. maybe we can do it another way. And just so, try a different try way, a different way. approach. <laughs> I know you're passionate about that, Rob, but, uh, and, and so, I mean, I think that those, um, it's just key to having outside of your, your, your family support network, so. I like those answers because I think um, mentors, for me, have done a, a great deal. And I love what you said when you said diversity. Mm -hmm. Having diversity in your mentorship so that you get more than one perspective, one more than one look at it, mm -hmm. a different angle, mm -hmm. you know, just a different approach maybe. It's always nice to add diversity when you're looking at mentorship, male and female, Definitely. you know, and, and people of different races. Mm -hmm. You know, it all comes together and makes this nice pot of stew, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. I like that. So now, we talked about this too, social media, being camera ready, mm. okay? What do you think? Do you think we should show it all or just, mm. just the good stuff, just the stuff, you know, the perfect looking stuff? What do you think about that? <laughs> See, so me and social media, uh -huh. you know, I, I, I really, I find that it has its purpose. Yes. I believe that it should be only for showing good things. Okay. <laughs> because, well, and good could be, difficult times too, mm -hmm. uh, in the sense that sometimes people share news where they need support. Yes. I, I think where people start going on the deep end is when they're putting things out there that they don't need to see again in five years. Like So when I think right. about my social timeline, I, I see it as more of a storyboard. Okay. And so I like know, sometimes it's like, yeah, I remember last year we did this and the we were together in the family. And so I think capturing those moments are important. Um, yes. When we lived uh, in uh, Indiana for the mm -hmm. last seven years, we were away from family. And right. so social media was our only way to see what the was going on um, right. with that. And so I, I appreciate it for that. But I do think sometimes when when we use it as a vehicle to kind of express our feelings, to hurt mm -hmm. others, I, I think that um, there should be more rules of the <laughs> etiquette, rule, uh, <laughs> etiquette on social media. But I, I do think 
for me, I only want to remember the good times. And okay. so um, that's how I, I just see. But social media sometimes, I, I feel like it can be overwhelming. I, I describe to my friends sometimes, it's like a roller coaster of emotions. Yes. You can scroll down. One person's extremely happy. The other one's extremely sad. The right. other one's mad. And this is going to make me laugh. And so I think that you have to just take it in doses, too. Yes, mm -hmm. I, I agree with that. But I, I, it just made me laugh because... When, when we were talking about it, the, in the context that it was in, you were talking about how, you know what, I just want to be able to scroll back six months or a year and see all the great things. This is more for me for me for somebody else. It is. Right? And it is. That's for me personally because... I'm the person that doesn't like to look at myself in the mirror, so okay. I kind of like walk by when I'm getting <laughs> I'd much rather be in front of some spreadsheets and numbers right. looking back at me. And so I think whenever I see social media, I look over my page, and it's mainly a lot of my kids. Mm -hmm. um, yes. and, and it's because I want to see what they've been doing. And, and, and just it's kind of like my my eyes to say, oh, I remember that, that moment and stuff. So, mm -hmm. yes, it, it absolutely is for me. Um, you won't see any times... Um, too much negativity on there because I'm not trying to capture and, and have that on my page five years later. <laughs> right. <laughs> now, So Dexo Magic, mm -hmm. right? So Dexo Magic. That's the company you're working with at this point. Yes. And so one of the um, main owners of that company is Magic Johnson. Mm -hmm. So what I'd like to ask you is what is Magic Johnson doing about you know, empowering women in business. Is he doing anything over there with his company? Absolutely. So Sodexo Magic, um, it's actually, it's a joint venture. Mr. Johnson is the majority owner. He owns 51% of the company. Okay. And then the other partner is Sodexo, uh, which is an international company that does food and facilities management. Okay. And so when you think about uh, everything from your uh, elementary schools to high school, those lunch uh, programs we yes. provide food uh, we also do stadiums um, and so when you go to the basketball games and stuff oh, wow. those those stadiums were there we're also in universities we we were in a lot a few of the uh, historically back colleges where we provide the meal services for the dorms and then mm. we also do the stadiums for a lot of the football games nice um, we are actually also doing a lot more partnering in the facility management space as well how we directly through that partnership work with women and minority-owned businesses, the whole focus of this joint venture is to allow corporate partners to actually receive what they call tier one diverse men. And that's important in the corporate space because it the is. company has made a commitment to saying we want to make sure that we're spending us uh, dollars impacting communities, women of color, minorities, uh, and just disadvantaged populations. And so I think that Starting that partnership was a vision that Mr. Johnson had, but to really partner with Sodexo really shows a commitment on the partner, uh, the corporate level. What we do within the joint venture is, is that we actually try to identify subcontractors who are women-owned businesses. So mm. if women have uh, businesses such as janitorial uh, cleaning businesses or they have um, companies that do painting, landscaping. Mm -hmm. um, we're looking for facilities, management um, services. We also uh, have an arm with the food side. So we also look for women who have um, food um, manufacturers, so farmers, 
uh, who grow, who can become part of our distribution network, wow. we look to try to f identify those contracts as well. Um, traditionally, when you think about facilities and janitorial, you think, you know, you men, think men, right? You know, you think white men, right. older. And so it's something, it's a market to where Mr. Johnson is saying, we want to make this commitment to minorities. We want to find minority farmers. We want to work with uh, businesses, waste disposal uh, that we have, and really bring these big contracts to our communities. To community, yeah. yeah. And so that's the commitment is there. Uh, we partnered with one of the, um, the large women um, uh, networks is called WeBank, and it's mm -hmm. women uh, minority business owners. And so that through that network, we again try to identify women-owned businesses who are looking for these contracts and who also have the scale. Right. Um, a lot of our accounts, we service accounts in all 48, uh, 50 states. And so when you think about having a, um, a food distribution or cleaning services, you need mm -hmm. sometimes to be able to do it in multiple markets. So yeah. um, we're looking for that. But we're also looking to just identify small businesses and teach them how to become minority certified and the importance of that and how to go and uh, approach a company like a Sodexo, right. how to get within their vendor management system. And wow. so I do a lot of that in my capacity. So. Wow, I love that. And it would be terrible of me not to ask you this question because I know that women listening to this podcast, watching this on YouTube, mm -hmm. or seeing the clips on Instagram and Facebook, they're gonna wanna know, how did you get to the place that you are in this company? How did you get Mr. Johnson to hire you as a part of his A-team moving this forward? What was that journey like? If you could just tell us a little bit of that journey, you went to college and then what happened? And if you can just give us that in a, in like a little concise sure. manner, I'd love to hear that. Yeah, so actually when I was at UCLA doing my undergrad, I had a friend who worked at the Magic Johnson Enterprises. And at the time, Mr. Johnson would have this annual charity um, big charity weekend was called Midsummer's Magic mm -hmm, I and that. he would have a lot of celebrities and uh, performances but it was really about raising funds for his uh, educational scholarship fund at right. that time and so I was brought in as again the numbers girl to kind of make phone calls to make to make good on all those donations that the foundation was supposed right. to receive so I started out as the bill collector there. <laughs> um, but it was really to support that cause and, and just through that just got to know a lot of the people um, through the partnership and then fast forward, um, I went to back to get my MBA in grad school, and it was an interesting story because I had a, a secured an internship, and we went away on an overseas trip. Mm -hmm. And during that time on the trip, they called me and said there was a problem with your background check, and so we're not going to be able to give you the job. And so when you talk about sometimes how right. there is success through failure, yes, that moment of knowing that I was in a foreign country, I'm being told I had already met my new boss, I was right. going back to start, and it was like, <laughs> nope, something didn't work out, so you don't have the job. And um, I remember calling the career services uh, person at USC, and she said, don't worry about it. She said, I know how you are. By the time you get off a plane, you're going to make a call. You're going to have this figured out. We're going to figure this out. Right. Um, and when I came back, I did. I reached out. I called their offices and, and talked to the lady and said, could you use an intern? And she said, absolutely. Matter of fact, we need someone. And like, so, come on, come yeah, on. so it was it was truly the, the perfect timing through the bad situation right. that really landed me in the place at the time that I needed to be. Right. Um, while all my other MBA interns, my counterparts were making Eighty thousand over the summer. I was working for free, and yeah. I was sort of close to free. Right. But at that time, I knew that 
the opportunities that I would be exposed to with working with Mr. Johnson. At this time, his, he still had a lot of his brand um, uh, outlets with Starbucks and, right. and the theaters. And so the opportunity to really see what those financial deals, how they were structured, right. was something that it was an opportunity of a lifetime, That's little right. did I know. And so I did that for two summers. I came back, usually only have one summer. I came back the second year because I decided to get a second master's in business tax. Mm -hmm. And so I said, this isn't normal, but can I come back? And I, absolutely. And so just really created that relationship there just willing to roll up my sleeves and create a job you know what what do you need was kind of my mindset right. and uh, I, I think that that was it built a reputation for she can do a lot of things around numbers and so after I worked in healthcare, I left corporate America and came back and this job was open and the president of the company I had reached out and said hey I saw this job I applied and she said I think we filled it but you know let me check and right. then the next thing I know I received a call and so it was just I, I really think um, Sometimes you just don't know how your pathway to success is going to look. Yes. And and I talked earlier about being able to go through those valleys and knowing that it's not a straight uphill battle. Right. Um, and I can say that that this is this is what my journey has been. So. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much. I want to know. So what's next for you? What do you yeah. see next? Now it's about continuing to. One, to, to harvest the seeds I've already planted in other women. Yes. Um, I have spent a lot of time working with small business owners. I don't okay. think we even touched on that. Yes. Um, I That's why you're going to have to come back. <laughs> <laughs> we will, we will, because I'm about how do we make it. Yes. Um, I really want to spend a lot more time focused on entrepreneurs, women entrepreneurs. Oh, okay. Um, that's something that I do already in my tax practice, but I would love to be able to, to actually work more um, with women who are actually starting businesses. Mm -hmm. I think there are a lot of decisions that are important up front that yes. um, help uh, really provide that foundation. And so for me, it's just about legacy. Um, I'm also excited about working on an all women's team within Sodexo, and we're excited to take this to a billion dollar company yes. uh, annually. Right now we do a little bit over half a billion. And so we're excited about um, the next few years. So I'm excited about that success. Um, and so, and, it, and from there, it's just really seeing my kids grow. Mm -hmm. That two year old, you know, having more time and focus with her. Yes. So. Well, Prophetess, I want to thank you so much for okay, coming we're in. Okay, we finished. We and being my guest. Yes. Yes, you've been an amazing guest, and you already promised to come back. Yes. I didn't know I talked for a whole hour. See? Like, yeah. But you know what? When the information is great, the time passes quickly. And this has been an amazing, amazing interview for me because it just furthered my appreciation and my love and respect for you. So thank, thank you, you so much. Appreciate that. Well, Girl Talk family, this has been an amazing interview. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did, and we'll see you soon on Girl Talk. If you like this interview, make sure you hit the subscribe button below.